Hello, friend. Thanks so much for downloading this podcast. And with all my heart, I hope you hear something that edifies, encourages, equip, enlightens, and then engages you in the marketplace of ideas. But before you go and before you listen, I want to take a quick moment and explain to you this month's truth tool. The book is called I Believe, A Concise Guide to the Essentials of the Christian Faith. You know, it's paramount as followers of Christ that we not only know what we believe, but why we believe it. So questions like heaven and hell, angels, the Trinity, all of these are foundational issues for believing Christians. But sometimes we don't fully understand what it is we believe about Christianity. So the book, I Believe, A Concise Guide to the Essentials of the Christian Faith is just that. It's concise And it's a wonderful guide to explain to you the cornerstones of who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. It's yours for a gift of any amount because In the Market with Janet Parshall is a listener-supported broadcast. We stay on the air because you pray and give. So if you'd like this month's Truth Rule, just call 877-JANET-58. Ask for a copy of I Believe. That's 877-JANET-58. Or you can go online to InTheMarketWithJanetParshall.org. Scroll to the bottom of the page. There's the cover of the book. If a gift of any amount, we'll send it to you as our way of saying thank you. While you're on that website, you might want to take a moment, scroll down just a little bit farther, and there's a description of what it means to be a partial partner. These are people who give at a level of their own choosing, and they give every month. They get the truth tool if they ask for it every single month, and they'll also get a newsletter, only people that do, that includes an audio portion that only goes to my partial partners. So if you want to be a partial partner or you're just interested in giving one time to get a copy of I Believe, 877-JANET-58 is the route to go, 877-JANET-58, or online at inthemarketwithjanetpartial.org. I Believe, a great book for you to put in your backpack as you continue your Pilgrim's Progress. Now, please enjoy the podcast. Friends, this is Janet Parshall. Thanks so much for choosing to spend the next hour with us. Today's program is pre-recorded, so our phone lines are not open. But thanks so much for being with us, and enjoy the broadcast. Here are some of the news headlines we're watching. By the time the conference was over, the president won a pledge. Americans worshiping government over God. An extremely next... rare safety move by a major... 17 years, the Palestinians and Israelis negotiated. This Hello, friends. Welcome to In the Market. I'm your host, Janet Parshall, and we are coming to you on Moody Radio. Thank you so much for choosing to spend this time with us, and I think I can assure you it's going to be fruitful conversation. Our focus this hour is how we share the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ with our Muslim friends. You know, a lot of times people think the mission field is over there, but very often God in his sovereignty brings the mission field right here. And based on conversations we've had in the past, more and more of you have a heart quickening that recognizes that we're seeing more and more people who are practitioners of the Islamic faith in our own world, in our own sphere of influence. And because you understand the clarion call to go and tell, you want to be able to do it, but you're not quite sure how you share the gospel with your Muslim friends. I am so grateful for the work of Thabiti Anyabwile. I am looking forward to this conversation more than you could know, and I'm going to tell you who he is in a moment. Let me start by suggesting two ways in which you can interact with us. one 877 live 675-1877-548-3675. Or you can send me an email, Janet Partial at Moody. 
moody.edu, Janet Parshall at moody.edu. Let me tell you about Thabiti. I would and have read whatever this man writes. I think he is brilliant, but more importantly, I think he's biblical. And I love the way he knows how to apply the whole truth of the whole gospel to whatever he's writing. And he's done it again in this very small but very powerful book entitled The Gospel for Muslims, an encouragement to share Christ with confidence. And I want to read something to you that Thabiti wrote in the very beginning of the book, and I think you might be a little surprised. He said, we don't need new techniques for sharing the faith. We need confidence in the gospel when it comes to Muslim evangelism. It's my fervent prayer that this little volume encourages Joe Christian in what he already knows to be true so that he will share it joyfully and boldly with others. And we're going to give away some copies on the air as well. In the meantime, the Bidianya Buile, who's a native of Lexington, North Carolina, is the senior pastor. How would you like to be called here? The senior pastor of the First Baptist Church of Grand Cayman in, yes, the Grand Cayman Islands. He is a council member with the Gospel Coalition. I first got to know Thabiti when he was working in Washington, D.C. And Thabiti, I did not realize that you at one point in time in your own Pilgrim's Progress were, in fact, a practicing Muslim before you converted to Christianity. Yeah, I don't I don't know how we missed that. But first of all, let me say thank you for having me on the show again and thank you for your your work uh and your faithfulness to the gospel and to the truth and applying it uh to our times and our culture. I'm I'm grateful for you. Oh, uh, thank but you, yeah, it, it was um yeah, I, I, I grew up in North Carolina in the Bible Belt, as you pointed out. And unfortunately, you know, between maybe not always the gospel always being preached very clearly, and certainly with with my own bent towards sin and not having ears to hear, um, I, I didn't hear the gospel. I didn't I didn't believe um, growing up, despite being in this vast land of cultural Christianity, uh, and went off to college. And it was at college that I met some something I hadn't seen before, Jen, and I'm I'm, I'm uh, just sort of grieved to say, and that it was I saw some very clean cut, upright, uh, moral strong, at least in a worldly sense, African-American mm-hmm. men. And they were talking about the importance of family and community and faithfulness and faith. Uh, long story short, these guys were uh, Muslim men, and I had not seen that uh, growing up. Like a lot of African-American children um, haven't seen that or won't see that. And it was just, it was radioactive. I mean, it was just, I was like a fly drawn to um, one of those little blue lights. And uh, mm-hmm. long story short, these guys were Muslim men. And um, my sophomore year in college, converted to Islam. Wow. Can I ask, do you think collectively, bigger picture, that that often is in fact a draw, particularly for African-American men? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's such a hunger. There's so much daddy pain in the world, and there's so Mm. much uh, need for stability and family. And uh, a a lot of what you see in African-American kids like me growing up in the way of uh, anger and aggression and, and so many other things um, really grow out of that need for um, fathers in the home and intact families and the care and the nurture and the stability and guidance that comes from that. I certainly lacked it, and before I had words to express it, I was, I was given evidence of that lack in my life. Wow. All right. Well, obviously, the story doesn't end there. And I think because this is about sharing the gospel with our Muslim friends, I want to know, Thabiti, when we come back, how you made that transition, that daddy pain that you referred to, being met in a unique way, and yet 
that's not who I'm talking to today. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. So I want to find out how that happened. Our number again, one 675 1-877-548-3675 or Janet Partial at moody.edu. More after this. I'm your host, Janet Parshall, and our guest today is Thabiti Anyabwile, a wonderful author, but he's also a senior pastor, and I know how precious senior pastor's time is, so I greatly appreciate his being with us for the full hour. His newest book, Straight, Honest, Right to the Point, it's called The Gospel from Muslims, an encouragement to share Christ with confidence. And Thabiti was telling us when he was in college... He converted to Islam, that he saw something there that was appealing, but Thabiti, praise be to God, the story does not end there. So I love stories of transformation. You thought a need was being met when you converted to Islam, but something must have happened when you realized that need was in fact not being met, and you ended up finding yourself at the foot of the cross. How does that happen? Well, you know, Janet, I was basically the campus Saul. I, I became a real enemy of the cross and uh, a real thorn in the side of many Christian students and student organizations, just adamantly opposed to what I would have regarded as pie-in-the-sky, you know, fantasy by-and-by kind of religion. And uh, after three or four years of that, uh, one morning I'm up for Ramadan and uh, preparing for the fast, and as I'm reading the Quran, I have this settling awareness that, what I was reading just couldn't be true. It just was mm-hmm. not consistent. It admitted too much on the one hand, things like the virgin birth of Christ, that the, the books of Moses, the Psalms of David, the Gospels are, are revelations from God. And yet on the other hand, it denied too much. So it denied what those Gospels revealed in Christ being the Son of God, crucified for our sins, buried, resurrected three days later, and denied um, just out of hand all those things. And so I had this real crisis. How do I hold these things together honestly as a Muslim? Uh, the Quran is telling me that these things are revelation from God, and when I read them, they're telling me a completely different story, a completely different path to God than what the Quran reveals. So, on my best days, I, never finding sort of satisfactory answers to that, on my best days, I was agnostic. And on my worst days, I was I was tending toward atheism. I, I mm. rejected Islam, and um, having, as I said, been an enemy of the cross, rejected rejected the cross outright. And it was about a year of that kind of lostness um, when my wife and I got pregnant with what would have been our first child. And um, three months into the baby, into the pregnancy, we had started to build all of our hopes on this: the pitter patter of little feet, white house, picket fence, two and a half kids. And uh, three months into the pregnancy, we lost the baby. Mm. And uh, I was sitting at home one day, depressed, watching television, flipping through the channels listlessly. And um, this faithful pastor comes on television, and he's just verse by verse exposing the scriptures. And the Word of God had life. Mm. All I can describe it as sort of looking backwards now, I know what was happening. The Spirit, by the Word, was drawing me uh, to Christ. And uh, long story short, we visit this man's church. is a church of... In that service, probably eight, 9,000 people, and I'm mm. sitting about 15 rows from the pulpit, right in front of the pulpit, and it's like I'm the only person in there. And he preaches from Exodus 32, and it was <laughs> law and gospel, and it was, it, was, it was blistering, man, I'm telling you. And, 
and I had never, I had never heard Christ lifted up so beautifully in my life as the answer to uh, my deepest need, and that is to be reconciled to God and to have my sins cleansed and God's own provision um, for that in Christ His Son and a necessity of repenting and believing upon Christ. Um, and that day, in God's rich, lavish kindness, my wife and I both came to faith in the preaching. On the same day. Yeah. On the same day. Yeah. Oh, praise God. Yeah, I, do. Th- I don't know of anyone listening whose heart doesn't stir. I-, I think we could hear stories for hours and hours and days upon days and weeks upon weeks of how the Lord calls people. But you used a phrase that I had actually been thinking a few minutes earlier when you talked about reading the Quran and having that sense of restlessness where you began to question. And I was thinking how that underscores the authenticity of the word about God wooing us and drawing us through the power of the Holy spirit to him. That restlessness in your heart could only have come from him as he was trying to get you to know that where you were was emptiness. What he had was abundancy and he had it for you if you would come to him. It's an amazing story of transformation. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Wow. All right. So you and your wife come to faith the same day. It's one thing to come forward. It's another to go forward. So how did you decide that you were going to serve the Lord full time and ended up uh, getting involved as being a pastor? Well, it's just, you know, grace upon grace. You know, we, we come back to North Carolina. It's where we live at the time. And uh, we had owned a bookstore in undergraduate school. So So instinctively, we thought, we better go buy some books. And so we went to a <laughs> Christian bookstore and uh, found our way back to the theology section. And I remember, I'll never forget, the, the first two books I read as a new Christian were J.I. Packer's Knowing God and Martin mm. Lloyd-Jones's three volumes uh, called Great Doctrines of the Bible. Wow. Um, and so the Lord just began to feed us from day one uh, with some of the richest preaching and writing uh, available. Uh, we get involved in a local church there and uh, begin to grow, and not too long after that, we go out with a team to, to help plant a church, and uh, it was there that uh, the Lord began to um, reveal sort of gifts for speaking and teaching, and uh, the firm that through the congregation became mm-hmm. an elder there, and went off for about five years, and um, became a part of the, the church family, Capitol Hill Baptist Church in Washington, D.C., yes. Uh, where Mark Dever and others there just poured mm-hmm. into our lives uh, consistently and faithfully. And uh, long story short, uh, the Lord gave me just this deep love for his people and um, said, you know, with that love, go, go teach and shepherd my people. And uh, had great congregations who were affirming that gifting and calling uh, and encouraging us in that way. And um, mm-hmm. so we wound up here in Cayman almost four years ago. Wow. Yes, serving the Lord in the Cayman Islands. Not everybody gets a calling like that, Thabiti. That's pretty nice. Suffering for Jesus, man. Suffering, Suffering for, for Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Janet, I don't even like the beach, man. So this is, God was guaranteeing that I would be focused on what he called me here to do. He sent me to this beautiful island nation. Uh, and, you know, as far as I'm concerned, the sand, sand is a product of the fall. It's just evidence that this world is passing away, man. Uh, but it's a beautiful people I've been given to shepherd, and I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. Oh, Thabiti Anyabwili is our guest, and he is the senior pastor of First Baptist Church of Cayman of Grand Cayman in the Cayman Islands. He also is the author of several books, and today he joins us as the author of The Gospel from Muslims. One eight seven seven Live six seventy five is our number. One eight seven seven five four eight three six seven five, and I'm going to give away a copy or two to some of our callers as well. Virgil, you've been most patient there in Oregon. Thank you for that. We welcome you to the conversation. Love to hear what you have to say. Hi, and thank you. 
My comment was on your opening statement about doing mission work, and I believe whether we reach out to Muslims or Chinese or whoever, before we go to them, we need a lot of local evangelism experience with our local support of our church and things to get some good background experience before we go and reach out to others. Mm, That's a good word, Virgil. Thabiti, what do you think about that? No, I think that's right on the money. I mean, before we would send people out to the mission field, for example, one of the things we would look for is fruitfulness right here where they are, you know, fruitfulness in in sharing the gospel and building relationships with non-Christian friends and um, working to to get the word out where we are. And one of the wonderful things about the United States, one of the wonderful things about a country like the Cayman Islands is that the Lord, in one sense, is making missions easy. I mean, he's bringing mm. the nations to our doorstep. They, they, they live next door to us. Uh, and so we really do need to be faithful uh, where we live and where we work, even as we pray that the Lord would send laborers into the fields, into the harvest, uh, across cultures and across uh, borders as well. Mm. That's marvelous. Virgil, thank you. And we're going to give you a copy of The Gospel for Muslims, and the subtitle says it all, An Encouragement to Share Christ with Confidence. Thabiti, you very early on in the book, you set the stage and you said, look, there aren't different techniques. It's a matter of us having the boldness of knowing the message, this imperishable message, to use the word of Scripture, that we get to carry around in us. We fractured earthen vessels here. And you take the book by breaking it into two parts, and you start first with God, man, Jesus, repentance, and faith. And you said it'd help if you'd have the Bible in one hand when you're reading this book as you go along. So because it really isn't apologetics, it is, in your word, evangelism, we have to start by knowing what we believe. In fact, I found it interesting you were talking about Packard's book. We, unfortunately, sometimes don't even know how to define the gospel or what the components of the gospel are, let alone have the boldness to be able to share it. And you're saying it isn't having to know the Quran inside out and all the surahs and everything else. It's a matter of knowing what the gospel is because it's still the gospel message for everyone. It's the same message, right? That's exactly right. Romans 1, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. It's not my testimony that's the power of God unto salvation, though my testimony could be useful and encouraging. And, it, and it's not apologetics and defending the faith, which has its place too. Sooner or later, you have to be offensive. You have to get mm. to the cross itself. You have to get to this old, old story, this message about what God has done for sinners in sending his son uh, to stand in our place, to take our condemnation, but also to provide us a perfect righteousness. And, and what God has called us to do in response to his work in Christ, which is to repent of our sin, and for many people to repent of our rights, all of us actually, to repent of our righteousness too, and cling to Christ as, as our only provision in our life. Mm-hmm. And, and mm. God in his grace through Christ gives us then new life and eternal hope uh, together with him in glory. Amen and amen. Let me take a break. We're going to come right back. Lots of lines lit. We'll take your calls as well. Thabiti Anyabwile, our guest. We are talking about the gospel, and in this particular case, how we can share the gospel with Muslims. More after this. is with us. He is the author of The Gospel for Muslims, how you and I can boldly 
confidently and of course always in love share the gospel of Jesus Christ with our Muslim friends. 1-877-LIVE-675, 1-877-548-3675 is our number and you can send us an email at janetpartial at moody.edu, janetpartial at moody.edu. Let's take some calls. Robert, we're going to start with you in Florida. Thank you so much for your patience and we'd love your question, please. Hello? Hi, Robert. Welcome. Hey, thank you guys for taking my call. Um, I have a couple of friends back um, back home in New York, and I speak to them every now and then. And um, they're they're Muslims, and um, and you know we grew up in the streets together, and we kind of parted ways. And I came to Christ, and they went into the Muslim faith, and we talk and debate about this often. Um, but I just you know. I just would like to know what's the clearest way that I can convey the difference between Christianity and Muslim, you know, the Muslim belief. I mean, I understand because I've read part of the Quran and, and how they believe that they have to earn their way to heaven and they have to perform certain works, which actually puts some of us Christians to shame, to be honest. Like, I mean, these guys pray faithfully three times a day. And, um, and I try to tell them that, you know, it's really not works. Jesus Christ has done it. It's paid for on the cross. And I'm just trying to find a, you know, a different way that I could convey that message between Christianity and how they don't have to earn their way to heaven as opposed that Christ paid it all and it's it's a done deal if you just put your faith and trust in Him. Thank you, Robert. That's a, a wonderful question. I, I think here's a place where you want to help your friends repent of their righteousness. So I think you want to take Isaiah, uh, where Isaiah says all of our righteousness is as filthy rags before God. It's not all of our sins are as filthy rags before God, but our, our best righteous deeds have enough sin in them to condemn us for eternity. And so I think it's necessary to sort of to press in with the doctrine of sin and the sinfulness of sin. That's one of the differences between Islam and Christianity. In Islam, sin is basically ethical mistakes or, or weaknesses. But in Christianity, sin is an offense against a personal offense against the holy God. It is a slander and a rebellion uh, over which God is angry. And, and this sovereign God of the universe has pledged to judge sin and to judge sinners in their sin. And so I think you have to, to sort of help them acquire a more biblical definition of sin help them then see that they are sinners, and help them see that their sin nature has poisoned even their righteousness so that they need to flee from their acts of righteousness. They need to flee from, from prayer five times a day. They need to free, uh, flee from uh, alms, giving all good things, none of them saving things. And so until they see that, uh, they won't see their need for a Savior, which is precisely what Islam denies, the need for a Savior. Hmm. Can I ask about the question of sin? It's the whole idea, Atticus Finch, to kill a mockingbird, walking around in somebody else's shoes for a while. To the Islamic worldview, is there a concept of sin? And if so, for us as believers, we know that the wages of sin is death, that a price has to be paid for that. Does that same concept of having to pay for sins reside within the parameters of Islam? Not really. Not in the same way. As I said, in, in Islam, sin is is thought of, again, as as sort of mistakes, ethical mistakes, lapses in judgment, uh, weaknesses that are that are part of the of the human nature, but that aren't um, that aren't understood to be fundamentally or necessarily um, personal and 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 committed against God in that sense. 
Um, and so what one has to work at is uh, a clearer biblical definition of sin and to move away from um, that small view of sin that, that just basically says, well, this is a weakness, and God made me with this weakness, and, um, you know, that, that's just sort of how it is. I remember Janet being in a, in a, a, a dialogue, the Lord's blessed me with the privilege of, of representing the gospel in a Middle Eastern country um, in public dialogue with imams. And I remember an audience member asking the question uh, to the imam, you know, well, what, what do you do with sin? How do you, how do you deal with your sin? Mm-hmm. And, and this person pointed out that Adam had sinned. And the imam, my jaw nearly dropped to the floor. The imam says, well, no prophet of God has said Adam didn't sin. He just, he just sort of made a mistake. Mm, um, wow. And so when you're dealing with that view... You really yeah. have to help them understand the sinfulness of sin. That, that, so therefore, otherwise, we don't understand the real power of the cross. Wow. Lots of people online. We're going to get as many of your calls in as we can after this. In the meantime, check out In the Market with JanetParshall.org. You can see Thabiti Anyabwile's picture there, and you also see a copy of the book we're discussing, The Gospel for Muslims. Join us with your calls and emails, and we'll be back after this. Friends, this is Janet Parshall, and I want to take a moment to remind you that today's program is pre-recorded, so our phone lines aren't open. But I sure do appreciate your spending the hour with us, and thanks so much, and enjoy the rest of the program. You are listening to In the Market. I'm your host, Janet Parshall, and we are coming to you on Moody Radio. Thabiti Amyabwile is our guest. We are discussing his book, The Gospel for Muslims, an encouragement to share Christ with confidence. And Thabiti is also the senior pastor at First Baptist Church in Grand Cayman on the Grand Cayman Islands. 1-877-LIVE-675 is our number here. 1-877-548-3675. Or you can send us an email at janetpartial at moody.edu. Janetpartial at moody.edu. Let me, if I may, please go to Luella, who joins us from Prince Edward Island in Canada. Luella, thank you for being with us. And your question for Thabiti, please. I've read several books on presenting the gospel to Muslims, and dreams and visions seem to come up several times in their conversion experience. And I just wonder what your explanation for that is when we believe that we have to hear the Word of God to be saved. Thank you, Luella. And, and first off, we have lots of friends here in Cayman from Prince Edward Island, so we'd, we'd welcome you down any time. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I think you do hear from the mission field uh, a lot of accounts of persons hearing uh, or having dreams and visions and those things being used in some instrumental way to their to conversion. And most of the accounts I hear uh, usually involve um, then being connected with a missionary or a Christian living and working in that particular part of the world uh, who explains the gospel. Um, we we if, if, if a messenger isn't sent and the gospel isn't heard, how then can they believe, is Paul's argument in Romans. And mm-hmm. so the proclamation of the gospel is essential to reception of the gospel and to responding to the gospel. Um, and so we, we therefore have to be faithful as stewards, First Corinthians 4, 1 and 2, um, to, to share this message of, of this announcement, really, of what God has done for us in Christ's Son. Luella, thank you so much for being with us. Again, our number, one eight seven seven live 675 1-877-548-3675. To Diane now in Akron, Ohio. Diane, thank you for being a part of our conversation here on In the Market, and we'd like to hear what you have to say, please. 
I just wondered if there was ever a wrong time to uh, go ahead and evangelize or share Christ's love with someone. Thank you, Diane. It's a great question, and and often we are we're trying to discern uh, what might be uh, good windows for for opening up the gospel and sharing Christ's love. Um, I'd take maybe an unconventional approach to that. I, I would say. Uh, it's always a good time to share God's love um, with folks. And oftentimes, we, we have to trust passages like Romans 8.28. We have to trust uh, Romans chapter 1, that that even our foibles and our faults, and boy, I have bungled sharing the gospel many times, uh, but even those things become seeds that the Lord waters and reaps from uh, if we're faithful to share. So I would say don't be paralyzed by trying to figure out the right time. You know, use some discernment, be prayerful, um, but but make sure we we all need to make sure that that we're we're sort of aimed at and ready to share even when it feels inconvenient to us uh, because we don't always know what is quote unquote the right time. Can I pick up on that a little bit and talk about the necessary boldness? J. Max Stiles does the uh, beginning of the book for you, and I want to give his title. He's the Chief Executive Officer with Gulf Digital Solutions, General Secretary of Fellowship of Christians, Christian Students in the United Arab Emirates. One can imagine the interesting conversations he's had. And he says that he has seen Uthabidi talk to a crowd of Muslims. Many of them were friendly, but some became hostile. But your all, your call always was to honor God, not to honor man. And I, I pull that out of the introduction that uh, uh, Stiles wrote, because I think it's imperative that we understand how bold we have to be. Sensitive, yes. Discerning, absolutely. But never ashamed. And I think the fear of rejection sometimes silences us. Am I right or wrong? I think that's true. It's the fear of rejection, the fear of man, uh, sometimes wild ideas about am I speaking with a terrorist or is something you know drastic about to happen. Those things do sort of uh, sort of cause some panic and fear in us. You know, it's interesting when you read the Book of Acts and you you look through just sort of surveying that book and you see when the disciples and the apostles were filled with the Spirit. Almost in every case, the next thing that's said about them is they speak boldly. And, and so I think we need to pray uh, the Lord would give us that kind of boldness. I think we should expect that he will because he has sent us on this commission. Um, and we are to be those who love heaven more than we love earth mm. and to love the gospel and the glory of Christ more than we love our own lives. We shouldn't count our lives dear. Um, and what, what better way? I mean, just take worst-case scenarios, so to speak. What better way to go home? than to go yes. home sharing the gospel, that's you know, right. with, with our non-Christian friend. I mean, what, that's a crowd of righteousness for that. So, you know, praise God and share it anyway. Yeah, amen to that. Anonymous, I welcome you. And Anonymous, I'm not even going to identify where you're calling from just to protect your anonymity a bit more. I welcome you, and we'd love to hear what you have to say, please. Is that me? It sure is. Thank you that's for being me. with us. This is my question. I have a son. He was born again, and he turned to Islam. And he said to me one day, he said, if you find one thing wrong with the Quran, I'll go back. How does this gentleman respond to that, or what does he suggest? Sure, great question. Um, in the book, I talk a little bit about the issue of the resurrection and Jesus' death. Uh, the Quran, if I were pointing you to one place that, that I would say the Quran is wrong on, it's on the death of Christ. Uh, because in the Quran, we're told three or four different things. We're told that Jesus was taken. We're told that God made him to die, uh, and we're told that he didn't die. 
uh, and all those things I talk about in brief in the book. Um, and so that if I were taking them to one place, I would go to those various surahs um, that, that speak to that issue and say, here in what is supposed to be a miraculous book um, on what is certainly the most important incident in the history of the world, the death and, and resurrection of Christ, we get three different answers um, that, mm-hmm. that contradict themselves. So that's where I would, I would start. Wow, that's a great place. Anonymous, I'm going to ask that you stay on hold because we want to get your information and send you a copy of the Gospel from Muslims. And who knows, but the Lord might open the door again of discussion with you and your son, and you might be able to share some of the information in this book. In fact, part two, Thabiti, is the pragmatics, chapters to go to. I found this to be very interesting. When you're sharing the Gospel with Muslims, why do you think there are certain chapters? It's all under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, clearly, but there are certain chapters that might be good segues into a conversation. What would some of those be? Yeah, well, they're, they're wonderful chapters. The chapters I like to go to are those chapters that, that deal with the sacrifice of Christ and deal with the sacrifice theme uh, in particular, um, because these are passages that get us to the gospel and get us to why Christ came and, and why Christ died. Um, and so Matthew 16, Matthew 21, um, the later parts of, of all of the gospels. Uh, if we're dealing with the Old Testament, um, even as early as Genesis 3, we see there the gospel in Genesis 3.15 and sort of its infancy, if you will. Um, Genesis 15, Abraham, God is affirming the covenant with Abraham there. Uh, the Psalms of David are thought to be revelations in Islam, so uh, mm. those Messianic Psalms, Psalm 2, Psalm 22, uh, so on and so forth, all of those are chapters that the Quran and passages of the Bible that the Quran affirms as revelation from God. Now, I want to be clear. I, I don't want to let the Quran be the standard here because I don't yes. think it's an inspired book. But it does give us a starting place. So I don't have to argue common ground about those chapters or those passages. Uh, and those passages help me get to Jesus and his sacrifice and the cross uh, pretty easily. Yeah, excellent. You know, when you were talking, it's what happened with Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. He mm. starts in Isaiah which is where he was at, and then took him where he needed to go. So I think we have a role model for effective evangelism in that interaction, and you just echoed that. So thank you for that, Thabiti. No, Let thank me go... you for that. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was just going to say real quickly, you know, when we're reading the New Testament, we see the apostles and disciples doing the work of evangelism, and if they're doing it from the Scripture, they're doing it from the Old Testament. And so that's, that's right. a really good encourage and challenge to us to know our Old Testaments pretty well, because a lot of that connects with our Muslim uh, friends, and to know how to get to Christ and the gospel from the Old Testament, just as the apostles did, just as the Lord Jesus did on oh, the Emmaus Road. Yeah. Oh, thank you. That's an excellent point. Thank you, Thabiti. Judy, let me ask you to be a part of our conversation now. Please, you join us from Indiana. And your question for Thabiti, please. Uh, my question is, I had just read a comment And what it said was that Jesus teaches us love of neighbor and that Muhammad teaches death to the infidel. I uh, have never read the Quran, so I do not know if that actually is in the Quran or if that is what is taught in the Muslim faith. And that is what I would like to know. Thank you, Judy, for your, your question. Great question. Uh, I think what I would say there is, when it comes to our evangelism, uh, in, in the book I would suggest 
we, we really don't have to spend a lot of time tearing apart the Quran or attacking the Prophet Muhammad. Uh, most Muslims I get in the conversation with in the States, in the Middle East, they're so eager to disprove that Jesus is the Son of God that we're almost automatically on home turf for the Christian. Um, and so I spend the bulk of my time talking about Christ and the cross. Um, having said that, though, I, I will say that in the DNA of Islam uh, is, is military history and violence. Uh, so the prophet, when he first begins to teach uh, the teachings of Islam, he's, he's run out basically from uh, his own people. Uh, he, he flies, you know, in, into refuge. He comes back with the sword, and Islam spreads through the Middle East and North Africa and that part of the world at the tip of the sword. And uh, as far as many Muslims are concerned, um, one can be made to be Muslim or Muslim country um, by force in that regard. Um, and so, yeah, in that sense, it's the ethics of spreading the religion are, are, are quite different. They're both missionary religions, uh, but the impulse uh, is, is really quite different. And the impulse in, in Christ uh, and in the gospel is God's lavish and overwhelming love. Mm. Thank you for that, the beauty. Thank you, Judy. Appreciate your question very much. Paul, I think on the heels of that, your question is very appropriate. You join us from Florida, and I welcome you. Paul, are you there? Um, there you go, Paul. The question I have is, yes, the question I have is, and I mean, one day you hear one thing, the next day you hear one thing. Is there faith a faith of hatred? Or uh, like you hear them sometimes say, well, that's just the uh, radical left, you know. But, uh, but, you know, my take is if their book spells it out, how could it not be? To me, they are, they are the true faith, the ones that actually follow what their book says. What is your take? Great question, Paul. Um, yeah, I, I, the, the problem with my Muslim friends taking a, a moderate view, and, and most Muslims are moderate, um, the problem with the, the moderate view on something like jihad and, and things of that sort um, is that the, the seeds for jihad and the teaching for jihad is very much there in the Quran and very much there in the Hadith, uh, the tradition of Islam. Um, so it's, it's, it's nigh unto impossible uh, to sort of poo-poo those things and, and hold them at arm's length when, yes, you do have the teaching that, that, that's there in the holy books uh, and, and, and in the tradition that gives, gives rise to those things. Uh, but in terms of winning our Muslim friends, I, I'm happy to concede them that ground. I'm happy to have them say, hey, I'm, I'm not one of those guys, um, and, and I don't approve of what those guys do. I want to encourage them to say that publicly and to say that more boldly so that um, that form of Islam has less and less air in which to breathe. Mm-hmm. And then I really want to get to the gospel with them um, and, and, and get to Christ. What a great answer, Thabiti. Thank you for that. Paul, thank you for that question. I wonder if a lot of people weren't thinking the same thing. So thanks for being a part of our conversation. Janet Parshall at Moody.edu. Send us your email. Sandy, you said a great one. I'll try to summarize it when we come back. Or call us at 1-877-LIVE-675, 1-877-548-3675. And check out In the Market with JanetParshall.org. Learn more about the Gospel for Muslims, the book we're discussing, and Thabiti Anyabwile. More after this. This is In the Market. I'm your host, Janet Parshall. We're coming to you on Moody Radio, and we are privileged to have with us today Thabiti Anyabwile. 
He is the senior pastor at First Baptist Church Cayman in the Grand Cayman, excuse me, I'll get the name right, First Baptist Church in Grand Cayman on the Cayman Islands. He's also a wonderful author. We're discussing his book, The Gospel for Muslims. Nicole, I welcome you from Indianapolis, Indiana. Your comment or question, please. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Uh, I work in a very diverse group of people. A couple of my coworkers are Muslim, and one of them has expressed to me that he has a desire that he can't explain to understand the crucifixion of Jesus and the sacrifice Jesus made. Hmm. And I've tried to explain it to him, but it seems quite difficult to develop common ground. What, what do you think is the best approach for that? Thank you for a wonderful question, and thank you for calling. Uh, I think I would encourage you to take a couple of approaches. One, I think I would encourage you to invite him to your church uh, and invite him in particular uh, to meet some of your Christian brothers at the church uh, and allow the, the brothers to, to sort of come alongside him and, and help him and answer his questions and uh, let him see the gospel fleshed out in, in the life of the community of the church. Uh, and, and let him interact uh, with men uh, around that issue. Um, secondly, I think I would encourage you to, to sort of uh, trace the, the sacrifice theme throughout the scriptures for him. Uh, so, for, again, just going back to what the Quran affirms, the Quran itself affirms uh, that uh, the, the books of Moses and the Psalms of David, um, for example, are, are revelations from God. Uh, given that common ground there, uh, then sort of look at the various sacrifice themes and acts and symbols and rites, uh, all of which point to Christ. Uh, maybe spend some time with him in the book of Hebrews, um, where the writer of Hebrews takes that up so, so poignantly, and the various places where Christ is described as our Passover lamb. So one of the things your Muslim friend will deny is the idea that um, an innocent can take the place uh, of, of the guilty. They will think that that's unjust. Um, and yet in Romans chapter 3, verses 25 and 26, Paul writes there that it's by that very sacrifice that God demonstrates his justness. Um, and so that's what you're trying to lead him to, to understand uh, in that regard. Nicole, thank you for that. Appreciate your being a part of our conversation. Christine, we go to Cleveland, Ohio now. We welcome you and thank you for being with us. Your question for Thabiti, please. Yes, I have a question. Um... I had heard that the Quran in the original language is saying more or saying things that when it's translated like into English that you're not getting the whole thing, that there may be some omissions or something like that. I don't know if it may be that they may be trying to tell other people um, that it may not be as bad as they may think or something. The Quran, but um, I was wondering if you know anything about that, if there's anything omitted are held back um, when it's translated into, like, English or another language other than the original? Thank you. That's a great question. And, and really, there, there are two issues there. Uh, one is the question of omission. You know, one of the real major dividing points between Sunni Muslims and Shia Muslims is the question of whether or not uh, in setting down the Quran, there were verses that were left out, 110 of them, uh, you know, uh, as, as some Shia Muslims claim, um, that proved that Ali was the rightful successor uh, to the Prophet Muhammad. So that's the omission issue. Uh, the, the sort of lose something in translation issue, almost all Muslims will tell you that, that the one sort of miracle of Islam is the Quran itself. 
and that the Quran is supposed to possess this 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 heavenly beauty. Um, and so to make that plain or to make that case with people who have read the Quran, um, which really cannot be mistaken as the most beautiful thing ever written, uh, if you've ever read it, um, you have to go back and say, hey, you, you need to understand this Arabic. And in fact, you need to understand this very rare form of Arabic in order to get behind the Quranic text and to understand the Quran and see its, it, the, the sublime and beautiful nature of it. Um, so many Muslims argue that it's something lost in the translation. Um, to that, I just look at Acts 2 and, and remind our Muslim friends that it's God who created speech. And it's God at Pentecost who could speak to men in their own languages mm. through individual human beings. And so we should understand that God wants to be known, and so he, he reveals himself in his word. He doesn't cover himself. Um, and there, too, is, I think, uh, a point in favor of the Christian witness and the Christian gospel. Hmm. Thabiti, we could do this for a whole nother hour. We have so many people online. I'm just so very grateful that you're with us. And I want to draw people to the website in the market with Janet Partial.org. You will see Thabiti Anyobwile's book there, The Gospel from Muslims. And Sandy, in your email, you talk about how one word might end up being used powerfully by the Lord to draw that person to him. You also talk about a young man who came from a Muslim country and ended up becoming a Christian. And the main thing that drew him to faith in Christ was the love relationship. You say there was nothing like that to be found in Islam. So it's the boldness of the gospel. That which changed us can change others as well. So we need to know it, not only just hear it, but hear it, know it, apply it, and share it. I thank the Thabiti so much for being with us. So send us your emails. Let us know what else you'd like us to discuss on In the Market. Janet Partial at Moody.edu. And we'll see you next time.